Please be seated. Good morning, everybody. My name is Kevin. I serve on the pastoral staff here. Uh, welcome here, everyone. Welcome to those of you who are joining us online. It's good to have you all uh, with us this morning. We are in a, uh, a preaching series on the book of Acts. Uh, started last week. Uh, Reg started it. And this week we'll continue on. We did Acts 1 last week. I'll just start into Acts 2 uh, this week. And uh, so we're going to start with a, a, a big chunk of Scripture. Uh, I'm going to read to you Acts chapter 2. I like giving big chunks of Scripture, even though I recognize that you might fade in and out throughout this, this chunk, but I believe that the Word of God speaks more uh, real than I can, and so uh, I'd rather give you more of the Word of God than myself. So um, I'm going to read this, but uh, here's what you can expect if you're one of those people that's just like a little bit struggling to pay attention through a longer, uh, longer Scripture. Here's, what, here's what's coming up. So, uh, the disciples have been, Jesus has just ascended into heaven and told them to wait for the coming of the Holy Spirit. And so they're together and they're kind of just going, what's going on? And that's about 10 days that they've been, been waiting. And so in this passage, we're going to see a supernatural revelation of God, uh, symbolized by wind and fire, and then the disciples are going to speak in a whole bunch of different foreign languages. Uh, Peter's going to point out that Joel's prophecy from the Old Testament is that the Spirit is going to be poured out on everyone. And then he connects that with the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus and traces that all back to King David's lineage. That's where I might lose some of you. Stick with me on that part as I'm reading there, okay? And then uh, the, the, the whole sum of it comes to this place where, okay, what do we do? We just killed the Messiah. Okay, repent and be baptized, okay? So that's what... Acts chapter 2 is, is a quick summary, so you kind of know where we're, where we're headed here. Let me read this to you, and then, uh, and then we will, we'll talk it through from two perspectives. Uh, first, from the early church perspective and what they might have been thinking as this was all going on, and then connect it with us and uh, how, that, uh, how it works in our life and our day and age here. So, Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment. Because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, Aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism. Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said they've just had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. 
It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in their heavens above and on signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you know yourselves, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest in hope, because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. You will not let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. Fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried, and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on the throne. Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, for all who call on the for all whom the Lord will, our God will call. With many other words, he warned them, and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Woo! That's quite a start. So we have this revelation of God, symbolized by wind and fire, speaking other languages. We have the prophecy of Joel. We have the crucifixion and the resurrection. 
We have the lineage of King David that shows that Jesus was the Messiah. And then we have this this call to repent and be baptized. So up until this point in, in Jewish history, people would have recognized that the Holy Spirit was upon specific people for specific purposes. The heroes of the Old Testament, the royalty, they were the ones who had the Spirit on them. And now there was this question. They could have it too? According to Joel, yeah. And that was a lot for them to process right there. So we're going to put our shoes, we're going to put ourselves in their shoes just for a minute and kind of go back a couple thousand years and think through some of the things that they would have been processing from their understanding of the Old Testament and what was going on for them. So the first one was, would be, or one of the ones would be that repentance and baptism would forgive their sins. That would have been a big question mark in their mind. Because wasn't there a need for some sort of sacrifice? So Peter's now saying that Jesus is this final sacrifice? They had heard that uh, John the Baptist had declared that Jesus was the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So now that, that comes through repentance? The Lamb that was slain? That's the sacrifice that's needed? They would have also been working through another question of, they were, of how they would be able to be in a right relationship with the God who had saved them from slavery and set them free from captivity, going back to the story coming out of, coming out of Egypt and what's been prophesied, that they would, they would be set free from these oppressors. And they were able to be in a relationship with this God. And they didn't need to earn it. That he was freely giving this relationship. And it wasn't through following the law. Wasn't that how they had relationship? No, it was freely given. And they weren't quite there. Peter alludes to it, but they, if, they, if they go a little bit further into the book of Acts, this was potentially even for more than the Jews? Like, people outside of Judaism? The Gentiles? So another question that they would be working through. Okay, so being right with God would allow them to receive the Spirit. So in the Old Testament, Samson had the Spirit and it gave him this supernatural strength. Bezalel had had the Spirit, and it gave him creativity. The Spirit had been on Isaiah and gave him words from God. Solomon had the Spirit, and it gave him wisdom. Moses had the Spirit, and it gave him leadership. And now average Joe Israelite could have the Spirit as well? They're not a hero. An ordinary person can be in a relationship with God and have the power of the Spirit on them? So there's a lot to process for them in this moment as to what's going on, and drunkenness may be just the simplest answer. I just don't get it. They must be drunk. So repentance leads to being made right with God, which leads to the filling of the Holy Spirit like the heroes of the Old Testament. Those would kind of be three questions just stewing 
in their minds. So with that kind of as their background, last week uh, we talked and Reg talked about uh, receiving the Holy Spirit. It creates this image of, of a child grabbing a Christmas present, like not just sitting there passively and going, yeah, okay, yeah, I'd like the Holy Spirit, that would be nice, you know. But it's like, woohoo, Christmas present. I'm like a kid just grabbing it and being like, yes, I want that. The, this grabbing, uh, uh, receiving this gift is kind of the, the connotation that, that is, is given there. And Reg talked about he, he got a generous gift uh, um, after doing a funeral, and, and this is a generous gift just poured out like lavishly. And so it's worth kind of giving this, this picture again of, of being held out, this birthday present, this Christmas present, a child just sucking in, pulling it in, being so excited. This is mine. I've received this gift. I'm not waiting passively for this. And I think some of us, as, as we get older, you know, it's kind of, we play it cool, you know? Like, okay, yeah, I'm going to get socks. Awesome. The excitement maybe wears off as we get a little bit older or, you know, you get those dad gifts. It's like, yeah, okay, great. Thanks, kids. I appreciate that. You know, or the, or the teenager that's just too cool to, they really want to open the present, but it's like, okay, no, I got I to gotta play it cool here. And, no, this, this is totally opposite. This is the, I want this now. I'm grabbing it. This is so exciting. This is the keys to the car kind of image that, that uh, Reg gave uh, last week. The Holy Spirit is a gift that is worth grabbing and excitedly to receive. So the apostles went out, empowered by the Spirit, with this message of repent and be baptized. 3,000 people received, excitedly grabbed the gift of the Holy Spirit that day and had their Spirit's power. So Acts chapter 2 is, is kind of the birth story of, of the, the church. And, and for new moms, uh, we know that uh, birth stories are pretty, pretty significant. You know, uh, Millie is here. Evan and Becky, congratulations. I'm at, I was talking to Boomer this morning. Congratulations. You know, these birth stories of, of new babies. I'm seeing another new baby over here. Congratulations. You know, as we, as we see the, this new life born, it's like, what's the story of the, of the baby coming to life? This is the church's birth story. This is, this is 2,000 years ago, and sometimes maybe that's where we end up kind of losing the story a little bit of like, yeah, it, it's old. We kind of forget about it. it, it it's too long ago. It, it's, it gets a little old and tiring, and yet this, is a, this story is young and fresh and exciting, and the question comes, do we still want to receive the Spirit like a, like a child grabbing for a gift? So, we know, we know that times have changed from back 2,000 years ago to now. Uh, people are no longer ritually sacrificing animals for the forgiveness of sins. Nowadays, most people don't even think about sin. Most people would think, I'm good enough. Um, I'm going to just highlight here a book. I put three of these at the Welcome Center, and I have this fourth one here. Uh, it's called How Good is Good Enough? Uh, it's a book by Andy Stanley, and it, and it just challenges that, that uh, belief of, yeah, I'm, I'm good. I'm a good person. Like, how good? How good are you? How good do you need to be? Peter uh, pleads with people 
to save themselves from this corrupt generation, and I would plead as well not to believe our corrupt generation's lies. Our generation says that you are strong, you're enough, you can do it, and the power of positive thinking isn't a bad message, in my mind, if the world is all that you have. Physical and mental strength will help you in this world. That's, a, that's good. The power of positive thinking is a good thing in a physical and emotional world. But God has also made us spiritual beings. And Jody Kozan did a good job in the spiritual gifts class this morning of, of highlighting our holistic being of physical, mental, emotional, spiritual. We're together. We're combined there. And when it comes to God has made us spiritual beings, spiritual beings that are able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine, our spiritual sides can never be good enough on our own effort. How good would you have to be? That's what the book asks. How would we make our spirits good, good enough? The reality is is that we need a spiritual savior. When we receive our spiritual savior, we have spiritual power. And that can be used to impact the physical and the emotional world. That's what we see in in Acts chapter 2. When Jesus said, you will receive, you will will take what is yours, you will receive power. The, The word power there is, I don't know how to pronounce it, dynamos, dynamos. When the spirit comes upon you, It's not a little firecracker of power. It's the same root word that that we get dynamite from. You will receive power. Paul goes on to explain that this is the same power. You will receive the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. The spiritual overcomes the physical. Uh, Let's put up on the screen here uh, Ephesians 1. 17 to 20. Let me read you this passage from, uh, that Paul writes. I keep asking that the, Lord of our, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart will be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. So we are not just physical beings. We are created as spiritual beings who are given a spiritual gift of the Holy Spirit. And we receive this gift as a one-time act when we repent and are made right with God. And repenting simply means turning towards Jesus. Admitting that we need Jesus to help us. Admitting that we can't do it on our own. I was living on my own physically, and now I want Jesus to live in me spiritually. I was doing my own thing, and now I want Jesus to take over. Peter explains that Jesus conquered death. And when we repent, it means that we are believing that he can defeat death in our life too. This is far more than the power of positive thinking. We all try to defeat death on our own. This is, this is normal. This is our 
physical side. We, we just look at the beauty cream industry. Look at the fitness business. Look at uh, healthy eating. We all, we all try to prolong life, but everyone will physically die. Jesus, who conquered death, promises that because we're spiritual beings, we can have eternal life. We can have life go on after our physical death. And this isn't a metaphoric life. This is a literal bodily resurrection like Jesus. Jesus can make that promise for you because he has done it himself. Put your trust in him instead of your own home remedy for long life. When a person repents and allows Jesus to change the course of their life, the next step is baptism. Baptism, we phrase it as it's an outward sign of an inward reality. By going under the water, outwardly you're symbolizing cleansing, repentance, and and dying to your own way and will of your inward desires. And when you come up out of the water, you're washed clean, perfect. You're soaking wet, an image of being totally consumed, covered by the Holy Spirit. Baptism is also something that we do publicly compared to repentance, which can be just done on your own between you and God. Baptism is publicly done in a, in a congregation where others can see the transformation life of a person. So this morning, we're going we're gonna to model this for you. We're going to show this to you, this repentance and baptism. And so Connor is going to be baptized this morning. I want you to see a, a baptism because we're starting baptism sessions next week. And so if you're a person who you follow Jesus and you're wondering what's next and you haven't been baptized, talk to me, talk to Connor. We're going to go through some weeks here in the coming weeks uh, to help you understand what repentance, baptism, following Jesus is all about. It starts next Sunday. You can come and talk to me. You can sign up at the Welcome Center. You can sign up online. Uh, I would love to explain this. Uh, more to people. Because I, like, like Peter, I continually plead with people, if you've repented, get baptized. Live out your faith in a, in a public way in our, in our life, in our church, in our congregation.